Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up, what up, what up, what up? So on today's episode, we're starting the new year fresh, and we're going to talk about draft prospects. Like, we already know the Knicks are doing well. We'll dive into all that, you know, as, as the weeks come along, but we need to talk about the draft because it's going to creep up on us, and I want to make sure everyone's informed. So we got two of the best people in maybe the world or if not, just like, like the New York City area. In the that entire help, universe. Yeah, in the entire yeah. universe that could help us out with uh, with draft prospects. And that's going to be Spencer Perlman of, I don't even know, on, on Twitter, basically? Like, do you contribute anywhere else that I not know about? I'm rude. All of my stuff is, well, all my scouting reports from last year up on the Stepian. I'm still part of the Stepian, but I'm waiting to do the same thing I did last year. Because I don't really like writing I like my scouting reports. You could you could also introduce Spencer as a member of the tribe. Yes, a member of the tribe, Spencer Perlman, and then and then back on for his fourth or fifth appearance. I'm losing track now. Um, this person is not a member of the tribe, but he is our most frequent guest for some reason, which I don't understand because he drives <laughs> he drives me absolutely insane. But uh, it's our man Prez. What up, Prez? What's going on? I was actually astonished when you uh, described me as one of the best in the universe at this, but that uh, more recent description of driving y'all crazy seems more on brand for me. So thank you either way. That's what I'm here for. I'm only here for accuracy. And just to give you guys, like, a heads up, since we're talking about the draft, I know nothing about the draft. Like, absolutely nothing. I don't watch college basketball. I know nothing about it. I just know that I don't like it. And not only that, like, I'm not going to be able to contribute much. Plus, I'm not feeling well, and i got to prepare for a vacation. You'll be listening to this episode on Monday. I'll be wandering, like, Zion National Park, trying to not have myself killed while hiking. Is so, that where Zion Williamson is? Yeah, that's where um, he was born, actually. He was born in the uh, <laughs> in the springs of Zion National Park in uh, Utah. Um, he was so born to go, grown. He was, and that's why, you know, I'm going to go visit his, um, the site where he was born, pay homage. Hopefully his leg, his other leg, will grow a little bit as I pray, because I would like to see him play basketball. Maybe I'll ask him to lose some weight, too, while I'm at it. So, just to give a head, so that's like the heads up, so... This is it. It's all you can hear from me. You guys don't listen to the podcast for me anyway, so that's okay. Like, you're, I know you're all here for Schwinn, and I'm just here to kind of like kind of rein him in, in every now and then. Like, so I I know, so it's okay. So you don't worry, Schwinn will be here, and everything will be fine. And that's pretty much it for me, guys. Enjoy your conversation about the draft. All right, great. So everybody's gonna get an experience of moderator Schwinn. Um, <laughs> Not exactly sure how this one's going to go, but I'm excited. Schwinn, I I believe in you. I do not believe in myself, but you know what? We have no other option, so I just have to... I gotta step. I gotta step up my game. I gotta be like Magic Johnson in Game Seven, man. You know. You know, you are Magic Johnson. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's what I'm here for. I'm out. See you guys (laughs) later. Uh, All right. Cool. So. I guess, you know, since I have YouTube bozos on here to talk about the draft, um, I get like, first of all, I think, you know, before we get into that, I, you know, like, at least talking about specific prospects, um, you know, Spencer, what do you think, just like, you know, now that we've actually had 12 games under a non-idiot coach, and you kind of can, like, assess the young guys a little bit better, and the players that we signed better, um, like what? What do you perceive as being, you know, let's just say the three biggest needs in order? And you can do that by position, or you can do that by like skill sets that you think are lacking long term. 
Uh, so I guess long term we need the spacing for. Um, okay. th- this is yeah. This is not an order because okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do an order. Yeah. Or it doesn't matter. Yeah. So they definitely the spacing for, especially. If, um, I mean, Mitch is going to be the long term five, and you want someone next to him who can then space the floor. Because otherwise, they're going to have a clogged paint that you know we pretty much saw, or we we saw for like what 110 games or something like that under Fizz. One 100 games. 104 games. Yeah, it was bad. Um, so spacing four, I'd want a point guard or not even like a point guard, just like a lead guard or anyone really who can get into the paint on a consistent basis, not just by using strength because RJ can do that. He can just kind of force it in. Um, but someone who can get there with like quickness or crafts or something, mm-hmm. uh, that, that would be another one. And then I mean, you can never have enough playmakers. So guys who can just make the right play past, um, you know, some defensive playmaking on the perimeter. So on that last note, are you talking more like uh, kind of like an all-around wing or like an all-around guard player necessarily than you know like a like because you said lead guard right? Mm-hmm. So when you say like the playmaking, I'm assuming you mean more like well, um, the lead guard was the second one. Lead right. guard was just someone who can get into the paint. The third one was just kind of like you want imagine like a peak Batum or like a peak Iguodala okay. or yeah. even not like a peak, just someone of that ilk who can who can pass, who can defend, who can. Be maybe like a lower usage guy next to RJ and potentially um, like you know that lead guard. Although you have Frank, like Pete Joe Frank. Ingles, Pete Joe Ingles. Okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, uh, Prez, any any thoughts on that? Agree, disagree? Do you have any difference of opinion in what you perceive as the three biggest needs? Are you against Mitch as the future five? I'm all for Mitch as the future five. As the future five, including as the future stress five. Everybody knows that's <laughs> my hot take, so I'm going to leave it at that. But uh, everything else Spencer said, I think I agree with 100%. Uh, need a lead guard. You hope it's a point guard who can, you know, get into the paint using their handle. It would be nice to get people who don't fucking blow at finishing at the rim. Uh, that'd be nice, but that's not, like, position-specific. That's just literally fucking any position. So, um, and, and the guys will get better, even if they're never, like, you know, great. But um, somebody who just is decent at that from the get-go. And so someone who can get into the rim, get to the rim and finish there, and also create for others, I, that's probably the biggest need. I mean, because you can – the stress forward thing is, is, is big, but – there's always going to be guys floating around, I feel like, and, you know, they're flawed a lot of the time, whether it's an old dude like Alinari or Morris or even fucking for your bench unit, someone like Portis or someone like Knox or whatever. Like, there's guys you can, like, get to quasi-fill that, but for the Knicks, it's just so glaringly obvious that, you know, they don't have anybody who can just break down a defense and get into the paint, even... Yeah, even even recently when Frank, you know, ran amok with Mitch versus Portland, he was getting into, like, the beginning of the paint. But for some reason, Portland, well, the some reason is Hassan Whiteside is, like, moves with concrete, <laughs> an idiot and moves with concrete feet. And they were playing, I think they were playing Mellow with the five, which is, like, the same thing. But, like, they bailed out Frank because they were like, fine, you don't have to get all the way to the rim. We're going to play you like you're... The main right here. Yeah. And they didn't sell out on Mitch, which I was, like, waiting for them to do. But anyway, I digress. I agree with everything Spencer said. But one more thing I actually want to add is shooting, because you just can't have enough shooters. Just, like, pure floor spacers. Like, legit floor spacers, not just stupid catch-and-shoot ones. Just, you know, like, run off screen hard, 
Aaron Neesmith. You want Aaron Neesmith. So, like a slight tangent, but do you view, like, Reggie Bullock as a legit floor spacer? Uh, yes, but I want someone with more movement shooting. You want somebody that, like, can, like, I mean, J.J. Like, I want, so is like yeah, a like a J.J., guy. a Shamit, yeah. Um, yeah. like a okay. Corver. Yeah. Okay, cool. If so, you look at it like a spectrum, like, like, Wayne would come around screens more than Reggie would, but yesterday I was watching Reggie, and I didn't fucking watch Reggie play in Detroit or L.A. or whatever. <laughs> he took He took a fake. He, he he came off the screen and, and caught it and faked and then, like, threw the ball ahead with, with, like, finesse for, like, a nice dribble move to avoid the aggressive closeout. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, my mind was, it might as well have been a fucking, like, windmill dunk. I was, like, holy shit, I didn't know we had anybody who can do that. So, like, more guys along that end of the spectrum who can, who can shoot off movement but can also take that one dribble and make something happen, two dribbles. Okay, That's so... Nice. Yeah, so I, we're gonna we're gonna get to that later because it seems like most of the guys that would fill that arch, archetype in this draft are, you know, more uh, later on, if that's yeah. fair to say. Um, but we are the Knicks. Uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves, even though the six and six round or Mike Miller is fantastic. Uh, odds are still that we will be drafting in the lottery. Uh, but probably like three spots below where our draft odds. Um, so anyway, uh, getting into that. So you guys both mentioned playmaking. I think if I pulled Knicks fan, fucking six hundred thousand of them would be like, we need it. We need a lead guard too. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, I have actually floated the idea to Spencer before that like maybe you don't need a lead guard. Maybe you just can get like three secondary type dudes like Frank, RJ, and. Say we draft another one and that's enough. But, you know, I think we can all agree that if you can get a lead guard, that'd be a great thing. Um, so I guess. Yeah, I, I also didn't shoot that down. I like that idea because it keeps yeah. the defense guessing rather than just having one guard here relying on everything. Yeah. Uh, uh, you just so, need a system then, like a legit system system. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Miller's getting there slowly. Like, he's like yeah. slowly installing a system. But yeah, we haven't seen it uh, fully. Um, but, you know, I guess as far as league guards go, uh, I, I did a quick little poll uh, prior to coming on, um, you know, just asking what people, like, who people wanted to ask you two idiots about. Um, so, in that vein, uh, I guess we could probably start talking about some of these guys, but I want to stick to lead guards for now. Um, I know I know, Prez is a huge LaMelo Ball stan. Um, Spencer, thoughts on LaMelo Ball? Thoughts? Um, so, you know, on the, the KFS podcast, I told Macri that, um, if I had to bet on, like, a single elite skill for anyone in this draft, it would be LaMelo's passing, because I just think it's, like, it's that good, but that's pretty much the only part of his game I like, although, I mean, you know, Prez will say that the handle is also really good, and it, it definitely is, it's just, like, what, like, if you're backing off of him so much because yeah. of the shot, then the handle is somewhat negated because, like, no one's really going to be playing close enough to where you can use that. Um, so you're, you're out on the shot, though. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks like how you'd picture someone who's seven years old trying to shoot in a 10-foot rim. <laughs> <laughs> he has the double elbow flare. It's coming from below his neck, although maybe it's gotten a little bit better. I mean, look, his footwork on his jump shot, like, when he's taking off the dribble jumpers and he's going hard right or hard left and, or like, you know, uh, crossover through the legs, whatever, his balance is good. Like, he's able to stop in a diamond shoot. I just hate the actual form. And it, that's is the it, issue. So, it, so, like, 
in his case, like in Lonzo's case, the form was it was just really weird and like made him come across his body or whatever. Um, with Lamelo's form, you're saying like it sounds like you're saying it's more. Do you think that's more of a strength issue though? Because when you say like you know he shoots like a seven seven year old shooting on a ten foot rim. And I mean, I've, I can't tell you if sat here and watched like a fuck ton of Lamelo Ball film, but I'm assuming that like the elbow flare stuff, some of that is strength related, correct? I mean, I don't really think if you're 18 years old, you should be having strength issues shooting from the free throw line, and his his form's the same. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. I think it's I think it's something that began as a strength thing, but then once yeah. that's your form, it's your form, and because you got to yeah. remember, he's he's like a good six 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 seven now. A year and a half ago, he was all of 6'3 or something like that. And then, like, we saw the footage of him in those, like, dumb Team LeVar high school games. He was, like, a tiny, less than 100-pound person playing with his brothers. Like, and he was still being asked to shoot from, like, 25. So that was just his form, and he just happened to grow, and he just kept that shit because it happened in the course of a few years. Yeah, one thing, actually, about... I'm, like, 100% agree. Yeah, what, one thing about Lamelo that I actually found interesting, and I found this interesting about Lonzo too. Um, Lavar has mentioned before on the record that like he had been training these guys, having them shoot NBA threes from when they were like, you know, four, five, mm-hmm. six. So like you, I kind of wonder if some of that stuff is actually just you know you're putting them out there so far beyond the arc at such a young age, and it's like you form these nasty habits because like you know when you're little and you're shooting out from that far. You try and generate strength in whatever weird and necessary ways you can, um, and you know, obviously, like <laughs> if you're doing that with these guys and you're keeping them out there, and Lavar is like a psycho with this stuff, that 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 could lead to this. Um, I don't know. That was just something I thought I should mention. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that, but um, I don't know. I mean, so like, okay, so. The shot sucks. I think you guys mm-hmm. both agree on that. What? what well, are you, what, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm not quite as down on the shot. I don't think he's gonna come through and be like a, a sniper or anything like that. But like, there's guys who have fucked up shots who are fine from you know from from NBA three, and and they're not like they're not gonna be guys that you have to like chase around screens or something. But they're enough of a threat to keep you honest for the rest of their skills that are strong. And I think that's where LaMelo needs to get to. He doesn't need to be – he needs to be a guy who sometimes, like, you, you're you a little worried if you go under, but you're not, like, dying to chase him down. Like, he's had a few plays where he'll, like, do a hezzy at the three-point line and the other guys will come flying at him like he's fucking Steph Curry. And I think that's mostly because a lot of those defenders are trash. But he needs to be able to do that <laughs> – in the in the NBA to just get people to think just enough and his form is is kind of stupid but you know he's he's above seventy percent from the line and he takes a lot of threes and I think if he just improved the quality of his threes like he wasn't wiling the fuck out like you know how like Lonzo kind of reined in his three point shot selection once he came to the league I don't know if you guys I did, know did, he, did he rein it in or was it just like he sucked so much ass that he knew he had to rein it in. <laughs> You you know what? The how he got there isn't important for this point. <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably right. But but like if the if Lamel and this is again big if because he, he might still just do whatever the fuck he wants. But like if he reined it in a little bit and he had like a little natural development, I think you could you could be looking at 
somebody whose three point shot isn't a liability. But okay. again, a lot of ifs. So you touched on this, uh, kind of saying like if the other parts of his game can get up to a certain level, you're not as worried about the three ball being like you know let's say thirty four percent, thirty three percent, thirty four percent, something like that. Um, Okay, so, I mean, I haven't, like I said, I, I haven't watched a ton of LaMelo Ball film. And, you know, you go on fucking Twitter and you see these highlight reels of the kid, you would think that he has no flaws in his game. Uh, but I have seen shooting charts, and they would indicate he has many other flaws. So, like, he, I don't know what he's shooting at the rim, Spencer. I'm sure you have this memorized because you do that stuff. Um like it's fifty three percent. No, no, no. Sorry, in the half court, it's fifty point eight percent. Okay, so how how much of that? Like, are you how, how worried are you about his ability to improve his percentages inside the arc, specifically at the rim? Because you know, if like you've either got to be putting pressure at on a defense at the rim or you know behind the arc, right? And if like so, look, you obviously do do not believe he's going to be a Steph Curry or something like that, like Dane, right? Um, do you do you see him as being able to potentially like improve that, those percentages around the rim though, and you know just like you know, like being at least, you know like let's say John ja Morant level at the rim because I know that Morant I don't know what he's shooting at the rim this year, but I know in college it wasn't like an elite it was thing last year. Yeah. So, like, do you think, like, he can get to that type of level where, you know, he's just putting that much pressure and he can finish? Like, how is his touch, you know, stuff like that? His touch is great. So I was actually going to say that if you want a reason to buy his shot, you'd buy it because he has great touch. Like, his floater's really good. Um, somewhere around 45% on, I think, like, 30 attempts, um, which is, you know, it's obviously not above a point to shot, but it's still it's still good. The touch that he shows on the makes is really nice. And then, of course, around the rim, he's around 50%. I think the rim misses, um, I think those are, for the most part, or at least partially because of, as we were talking about before, the lack of strength. And so he's probably like 185 pounds maybe right now. Uh, like if you get him up to 195, 200, and if he doesn't lose the quickness that he has um, – like, I don't see why that can't get up to 55% or 54%, and that would be huge. But, I mean, I'm just really worried. I don't really think he'll have much of an in-between game. Um, and then the three, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Prez, Prez, any, any thoughts? Anything you want to add to that? Prez, are you with us? Did you pass out? All right, Prez, Dolly. Oh, my bad. I had the phone on mute. I had the phone on mute because my dog, my dog was barking. <laughs> I, I did hear your dog barking. It was fine. Um, yeah, so she was the reason why why the Knicks had a great game last time. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, but I digress. Uh, so yeah, so like I I think Knicks fans, unless you really are nerds like us and looking at fucking shot charts and stuff like that, like you don't realize what like what good finishing at the rim is from a numbers perspective. So just to give some like points of reference, uh, if you're a guard, like a point guard or a shooting guard, and you're not even if you are super athletic, or if you're not super athletic, like, if, if in the 50s, is mid-50s is fine. But, like, plenty of guards are much, much better than that. So asking for LaMelo to get to 55% at the rim, especially being as tall as he is, it's not a given, but it's not, like, the same thing as saying, I hope he becomes a great shooter. Like, I think he has a much better chance of becoming passable yeah. 
at the rim than he does of even becoming like a 36% three-point shooter. He was tall, dude. He's just fucking a beanstalk. He he would need to get to like an elite level of finishing though, right? Like, I mean, isn't that kind of, if, if you're not buying the shot at a high level, but you need to obviously like be for him. I mean, for his play style, I think it's fair to say that like he's going to be a high usage, like very much a ball pounding type of lead guard, like, you know, going to have the keys to the offense a bunch. Um, if you're going to be that type of guy, you, I mean, you need to be a high-level finisher or a high-level shooter, right? So, like, if you're out on the high-level shooting, isn't it imperative that he becomes, you know, one of these high-level finishing lead guards that we have in the league? So I, I think more, you can... Oh, my bad. Go ahead. I was just going to say quickly, it might not necessarily be the percentage, but also the volume. Because someone like Westbrook, he's, if I remember correctly, he's never been, like, in, never been an amazing finisher, although he might have had, like, a couple of seasons around 57%, I think. I think I read that. But um, with him, it's always just been the constant attacking and, like, you know, 10 attempts at the rim, 12 attempts at the rim, stuff like that. Not saying Lamelo can get there, but that's another way. Like, if he's just drawing so much attention where guys are going to have to keep coming out because of his passing ability, like, he doesn't have to be some amazing finisher. Mm-hmm. If, he, if he's getting into the paint, consistently, um, and if he's taking those shots at the rim to where guys actually need to contest them, he can hit the kick out, too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Uh, so we spent a lot of time on LaMelo. I do want to touch on some of the other potential lead guards in this draft. Um, just a quick look through Tankathon would indicate uh, some of these guys, I'm sure. I mean, we and many people asked about, um, asked about them. Uh, Nico Mannion, Cole Anthony, Tyrese Halliburton, R.J. Hampton, um, Killian Hayes, Kill, yeah, Killian Hayes, yeah. and then uh, I don't know. Depending on your thoughts, also Tyrese Maxey and my uh, my French your son, yeah, my French son Theo Maladon. Um, so I don't know how you guys want to go about it, but um, you know, maybe if you guys want to pick three different ones and expound on them, um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll start with Prez here. Uh, I think you've been in on Nico Mannion uh, going back to last season. Um, Cole Anthony, because he has been a disappointment in your eyes. And uh, we'll do, uh, you know, let's see. Let's do Tyrese Massey. If you can touch uh, no, on let's, do, let's do let's do Killian. Let's do Killian. All right, he's yeah. like, I, I was hard to convince, but he, he's my son now. Uh, I'm here. Yes. I'm yes. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer had like a month long campaign and, and it worked. <laughs> All right, yeah. So t- talk a little bit about Killian Hayes. Um, both of you guys can. So, like, what? So, I mean, I, I guess you would have him above Lamelo Ball if you were doing a board right now. If you had to make a pick, right? Now. I would. Yeah, I would. Okay. So, like, what? What is it about Hayes that you are buying? Um, I buy the passing. It's not Lamelo level, but I think it's very good. Um. I buy the long-term shooting. I think he has to raise his – he has to bring it up a little bit. Um, and, you know, Prez and I were talking yesterday or the day before, and he said that uh, it's also a little bit slow, which is true. It's not the quickest release. Um, or at least it's not the quickest going into the actual shot, I guess. Um, I buy the touch. I, I buy the size. Um, yeah, I mean, he can already shoot off the bounce. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's already there, but it's about – like, you know, he's 18 years old. He's playing in a league that's better than, at least I think it's better than the Australian league, and he's playing well. What's so. the what's the league, just so people know? 
That's a German league. Was it German ratio farm? I don't know. He plays a ratio farm. Oh, uh, the oh, oh the Bundesliga. Okay, okay. So that's like top level in Germany. Anybody? Yeah. Um, are they a Euroleague team also? Uh, not this year. Or they didn't make it. Okay, okay. So yeah. So I guess on that, like, why? I mean, obviously, I understand why Lamelo has more hype. Um, do you guys see that, like? In your like, do you think that NBA teams are going to have those guys? Like, you think K's will pass Lamelo on most teams' boards by the end of the year? If you know current trajectory and kind of style of play and all that stuff holds? I mean, he's higher on my board. I don't I, like. I, I know a lot of actually draft Twitter has him pretty high too. I know some people have him second, and I'm perfectly comfortable saying I would also take him second. Although in a mock I just did, I actually took Nico second. Um, but. Like I think he's gonna kill the interviews. I think I think they're gonna see that he has like great size for the one. Um, even though he's not like he's not a freak athlete getting into the paint. He's not Jaw. He's not uh, Fox. He's a good athlete. And I posted yesterday. Um, well, January first, I guess, because no one's gonna know what yesterday was when we post this. But uh, 33 of his 36 um, attempts at the rim, like makes at the rim, or unassisted which is awesome for someone who, you know, quote-unquote, lacks burst because that shows that he's making all the looks for himself or he's just getting into the paint consistently off the screen, which is also really good. Um, so, I mean, it really wouldn't shock me if I see some team take Killian ahead of LaMelo. I think there are more character concerns for LaMelo, I guess. Um, you know, you have to deal with LeVar. So. Yep. So, so this is my, this is my like, encapsulation of... I still don't know who I like more of those two, to be honest, but the fact that it's a conversation just shows you how impressive it, it is. So, like, Hayes is not real on offense. He's not – he doesn't really have any glaring weaknesses. Like, he's a – he's made himself from a good to a really good shooter. Like, we're talking 90 from the line right now this, this current season where he's playing and good touch on floaters and a high 33-point percentage, and he shoots them – he has some extremely disrespectful three-pointers, like step backs off the dribble, like just getting us some big man on an island and fucking grilling them. Some, so his like he's got he's got the skills and his passing. He passes a lot. He has a lot of assists, and they're not they're like the way I kind of view it in my head is Lamelo makes passes you didn't know were possible for where he is on the court. Killian Hayes makes the right passes that you've come to expect from good players, like cross-court off the pick-and-roll, dump-off, alley-oops, uh, kick-outs. He just makes all the right reads that are not, like, pulled out. Like, he's not pulling out, like, crazy, like, Jason Kidd, Steve Nash shit out of his ass, like LaMelo would, but he's getting tons of assists. So he, he's, like, he's more along the, the lines of somebody like a Chris Paul in terms of at the highest end of that type of player, where it's like great passer, but probably not the guy that you're gonna have like top ten highlights of that you're like, oh my god, how did he even see that? You know, threading it between four guys and shit like that. Yeah, so I'm not comparing them as players, but earlier this year, Malcolm Brogdon was averaging like nine or ten assists for like a month, and I didn't watch any fucking Pacers games, and I was like, how the hell is this guy? averaging this many assists, and I went back and looked at some of those games, and it's literally just, like, 10 assists per game off basic shit, pop-outs to Sabonis, pop-outs to Turner, 
And he's a better passer, Hayes, than Brogdon. All right. Um, so do you guys have thoughts on, um, you know, uh, let's, let's see. Uh, Nico Mannion, Spencer, you mentioned that you took him too in a, uh, a mock draft you did recently. So, yeah, so um, actually, really quickly, I just want to say two more things about uh, Killian. One, he can make live action passes, which is super, super, super important. Like, I just, it's huge. What do you um, mean by live action passes? Off the bounce. Like, he okay. can be driving full speed, going left, and he'll hit some guy in the right corner. Um, or he'll pop it back. Um, and then also the touch in his passes is really good, too. And, I mean, that the makes one, sense. The, the one other thing I'll mention, he has in the paint. just because a lot of people are less familiar, he's six. So he, he's 6'5". He's, like, a legit big card with, like, a 6, what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, wingspan. Yeah, and he's, he's and strong, he, too. Yeah, he's not skinny. He's not, like like a fucking NFL player like R.J. Barrett, but, like, he's he's not skinny. And, he again, he's not jumping out the gym, but he's not ground-bound either. So he, like, knows how to use burst, and he's probably at least 200 pounds, right? Maybe, like, a little under that, 190? Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's pretty thick. Yeah. <laughs> so he, 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 and he and he can fill out more. Obviously, he's, he's not Raymond Felton thick though. Let's clarify for the viewers. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want the Knicks fandom that means something. <laughs> we don't we don't want that thickness out here. Uh, yeah, but sorry, Nico. Yeah, um, Nico. Yeah, so he's an, like he's I, I think he's probably an in between I guess passing wise between Killian and um, Lamelo. They're probably closer to Killian because I don't really know if he'll make. Like the super 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 flashy passes, but at least that Lamelo can. But it's maybe like a tiny step up, or at least the same level. Um, his things like his the timing on his passes is great. So if you're running a high pick and roll for him, you know defenses need to respect the jumper, so they'll probably bring the big out a little bit higher. And instead of just um, instead of just you know seeing the double team come and kicking it quickly, he'll wait until like the perfect time to hit the romance where he can actually attack, and that's when he'll hit him. So Love the passing. The shooting, I don't think he's shooting super, super well from three. Uh, but, oh, let's see. Um, he, he's a he's legit four-space shooter. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's an off-the-bounce shooter. Was it? Yeah, so 35% from three this year on only about five attempts. But 84% from the line. Um, if you actually go back and watch his AAU stuff, like, he's coming around screens. He's taking bigs off the bounce, taking smalls off the bounce. He's driving hard. Like, I mean, like, legit hard um, into dribble pull-ups. Uh, I love that. And then, um, you know, people will point out his size. He's small. He's, like, 6'2 or 6'3. He's got maybe a one-to-one wingspan. Um, but he's a pretty feisty defender. So, you know, like, he'll he'll scratch you. He'll use his elbows. Um, he's not going to just – he's not just – he's not going to be pushed over just because he's not some big imposing guy, which is nice. Um, but then the negatives is, you know, he's small, and then he doesn't really get into the paint that much. Um, I don't really think he has more than, like, 25 attempts at the rim this year, maybe 20. Does he finish well when he's there? I mean, I know it's hard to say with such a small sample size, but... I think so. Um, He's athletic. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. People think, like, he's not. Well, uh, there's a reason for that. It's because he is a ginger. That's crap. <laughs> but yeah, it's he, he's, he's, got, <laughs> he's got like one foot bounce, he's got two foot bounce, and he's got a really great first step. Um, Why isn't he getting to the rim more? 
Uh, I mean, Arizona's usually playing two bigs, I think. So I think that's part of it. And then, I mean, it's pretty easy to bump him off of his spot just because he's, you know, small. Do you think that improves, like, NBA spacing? Uh, It might open up more room. Um, I mean, yeah, it'll definitely give him more lanes to drive, but he's going to have to get stronger. So, I mean, who cares if you... If he gets to the paint, if you're or if you're trying to get to the paint, if you can get bumped off easily, like he 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 can get by Marcus Smart, but the second Marcus Smart puts you know a finger on him, he's going to you know get pushed to the side a bit. Yeah. When Marcus when Marcus Smart throws his forearm shiver into the back that goes uncalled, he's gone. Um, all right, yeah. So Prez, do you want to uh, talk a little bit about Cole Anthony? Yeah, Cole Anthony's kind of a a weird subject because he's had such a weird season and then he got hurt. Um, coming into the year, his reputation, you know, he was super highly touted. He's Greg Anthony's son. Everybody knows about him. So some, like, nuclear athlete with who could shoot. And that wasn't all without merit. I mean, he's a guy who was long known for getting out in transition. He catches putbacks. He plays above the rim. He played above the rim a little bit in high school. I think his senior year, he shot like mid-80s from the line and a good number on th- from three as well. So uh, his shot isn't like super pretty, but th- there's no like glaring LaMelo ball type flaws mechanically. I just can't put my finger on it, but he was a pretty good shooter. And even, even this year with all his flaws at UNC and their crap spacing, he's still a pretty lights out pull-up, pull-up shooter. Um, but he hasn't been quite as explosive downhill or even horizontally in terms of like creating space with moves crossovers as his reputation kind of indicated and when you combine that with the uh the lack of spacing at unc uh he puts a a lot of like four for 20 type stat lines like his his three-point percentage was higher than his field goal percentage for a second there and um his passing is good but it's not on the it's not on the level of the other guys we've been talking about at all. So that's pretty much Cole Anthony. You're kind of betting that he's healthy, and like uh, other players we've seen in recent years, uh, the college system kind of weighed him down a little bit. What's What's the deal with his um, Spencer? Do you Do you know what's up with his injuries? Like, are these serious? Are they long term things? Are they things that have cropped up before? I mean, I'm a jerk's doctor, not. No, I know, I know, but you, you're you're usually pretty plugged in. Flex on like flex. <laughs> um, I mean, wasn't it a meniscus injury that's keeping him out? Those always scare me, at least long term, because then you know the cartilage is constantly getting pounded on because you're playing basketball and you're jumping all the time. Um, but last I read, I thought it was a meniscus. Yeah, and was has it, has he had any like serious injury stuff previously, or is this just like something that happened to UNC? I think it was just UNC. I mean, you know, every player coming up, they always have the the run of the mill like knee soreness because you're literally playing year rounds because AAU, and then you have Team USA stuff over the summer and high school, and um, yeah, but, like he, he's never had surgery unless if I missed something or he's never missed an extended period of time. I think it was just you know a bad break from shouldering an entire offense. <laughs> so if you so guys I don't know we'll Spencer, he's Williams. Oh, injury. Uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Press. No, nah, I was just going to say, I think we'll get to see him post-injury. Like, I don't think we'll see LaMelo, for example. I don't think we'll see Wiseman anymore just because they have so much hype that if they play and are less than their expectations, they can drop. But Cole, 
has taken a bit of a backseat to them. So he has, I think, good reason outside of, you know, the argument that, like, oh, just don't fuck up your money. Just sit. You're going to go in the top six or whatever. Um, if he wants to try to get into that top three, top four, he probably has to play at this point. So we might we might see some more of him come uh, come later this year. Interesting. Uh, so just before we uh, move on to, like, wings and stuff, uh, there are a few more, but uh, I do really want to touch upon – I guess real quick, do you view RJ Hampton as a wing or as a lead guard? Um, I guess more of a lead guard than a wing. I mean, he's pretty thin, and he he doesn't really like contact that much. So, like, I'm not sticking him at, at the two or three. I'd probably want him guarding um, opposing, you know, points. Okay. So, you know, like – I know you had you put up something about him over the weekend, was it? I don't know if it, or maybe it was a couple of days ago. Uh, timelines are all blurring, but um, what I mean, do you like RJ Hampton? Like, what's going on with him? Because he's playing in what New Zealand right now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. same league as uh, as RJ, okay. not, not as RJ as uh, Lamelo. Okay, so like you know, I'm, I'm assuming you've watched a decent amount of him. What are your thoughts when you watch him? Do you see him as like kind of in a tier below these guys or? So tier two is huge. <laughs> like, like as far as I'm concerned, you have like Anthony Edwards is the first tier, and that's kind of it. And then, I mean, honestly, I entertained Killian maybe in tier one also. But after that, like, I'm pretty comfortable having Nico, Cole, um, RJ, Maxi. Although Maxi a little bit lower. Um, like he, he's in that tier two, just probably towards that. We're gonna we're gonna get to my. My adopted son soon, but you know, let's stick to RJ right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's probably around eight on my board. Um, just I don't know like what he's going to be. Like he's super athletic. Another guy with a super quick first step, but he's not a good passer. Like I've seen some of the worst passes. Um, but there was one pass that he like literally threw into the crowd sometime earlier this season. Um, bad. And, yeah, <laughs> and then uh. He, he's soft around the rim. Like, he doesn't really take contact that well. I think there was one one clip that I posted last week where he was actually, like, uh, he was posting someone up, and he, like, legit bullied him. And that was the first time I think I'd seen that all year. Um, but, I mean, if I'm the Knicks, I'm not considering him, like, at all. It's so, like, I mean, I don't really, I don't know if we should touch about him that long. But, like, do you, I mean, do you see him physically growing into Because he's 6'5", right? So, like, do you see him? <laughs> Has, does he have a frame to get stronger, or is that, or do you just think like it's it's unlikely? Yeah, I mean he'll get stronger. I think he's 185 now. I think with him it's just more of a mental thing, just like it was and it is with Knox. Like mm-hmm. some guys just don't really t- take contact that well, and they kind of shy away a little bit. Although we've seen Knox attack a little bit more this year, I don't really think RJ's ever going to be, you know, bring up the Westbrook comparison again. I don't really think he's ever going to put that much pressure on the rim and just be fearless attacking. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, I know, Prez, I know you mentioned that you haven't actually had a chance to watch him that much. Uh, I got a chance to watch Halliburton a few times at the start of the year uh, during one of those fucking, you know, you know, all those invitational bullshit things they do. Um, so I got to watch him against Michigan, actually. And I got to tell you, that kid is impressive. Uh, I don't know about that shot. I think it's a good set shot. I think he could probably spot up and shoot. But, you know, the, the off-the-dribble shooting is always – that that seems like a, maybe even beyond a question mark and just something that 
won't really be part of his game. Um, but he is such a gamer. Um, he just was carrying them the entire way. Uh, he's making plays on both ends, and like you know that bears out when you just look at his numbers. Uh, I think he's upped his three-point percentage this year on a higher volume of attempts, uh, and I think his overall efficiency is, is up with a more, like, primary role in the offense. So, um, and he fills up the box score, man. Like, he, he can board. He's a big guard. Um, I don't know. I, I was really impressed. I can't say I watched a ton of Halliburton, but what I did see, I was I was very, very impressed with him. And um, I don't know. Spencer, I'm curious to get your thoughts on uh, on Halliburton. He's, remember, like, coming out of, um, out of UCLA, Lonzo Ball was just kind of like the jack-of-all-trades. He's mm. a good defender. He's a good passer. Halliburton, I think, is like that, but he's better in the half court. Um, and, I mean, the shot, I hate, but he, like, his shot goes in, and I still can't explain it because it looks like a, you know, a constipated <laughs> dog, I guess. Um, but, like, Halliburton's good. He, he's, like, he's, he's not a primary point guard, someone who's really going to put constant pressure. You know, he's not a dame. He's not someone just like that. He's not a dame. He's not a Steph. He's not, um, I wouldn't even say, like, a Drew Holiday type. But, Maybe like a lesser Drew Holiday. Fuck that. That's Frank. Never mind. Um, <laughs> but, like if if you have your two main scorers, you think it's George What? George Yeah. Yeah. Just like you know, like a third, fourth, fifth option. Um, just making the right passes. He's a smart defender off the ball, but he's skinny and his frame is also kind of crap. Yeah, his off ball defense fucking amazing. Uh, yeah. And he had, yeah, he had just had some like run. It was like there were any run they made in that game was literally just him. Um, so you know that it's like for me, like when I'm watching, uh, you know, some of these like Lotto guys, I always like to have a game in my back pocket where I watch them and they were just clearly the best player on the floor. And like that was Halliburton in that game because. You know, Michigan, they don't have anybody that's going to be, like, a lotto pick on this team. Um, but it's a solid team. They got, you know, three, four guys that will probably end up being drafted at some point in the NBA. Um, it's an overall just way better team. But, like, the only reason it was a game with five minutes left in the second half was Halliburton. Um, so that's just something that always, like, sticks with me with guys. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it isn't. But, yeah, that's just something that really, really stood out to me. Wait, really quickly? Um Cool thing about Halliburton is that he's someone you, know, you could give him a slightly larger role. Like he, I think he's comfortable. He's shown this or that he's comfortable playing like a primary option or secondary option. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't really think he's going to be that in the NBA. But if you have legit guys around him who can take the huge load, like with the U19 stuff this past summer, he was taking a back seat to Kate Cunningham, who's on fucking oh god, yes, yeah. um, and my he's one true king. Fine. Yeah, Kate's good. This, mm-hmm. yeah, next year's draft is going to be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's when we need to actually think. Um, yeah, that's good. I I gotta I gotta check that out. Um, so uh, moving on from Halliburton, I do want to touch on uh, just the last two guys here, uh, Tyrese Maxey and Theo Maladon. Uh, you know, either of you can go first. Prez, since Spencer had his Tyrese Halliburton soliloquy, I will give you the floor. You can start with either one. <laughs> I'll talk more about Maxey because I know more about him than than Maladon. Um, Maxi Maxi has also had an odd year, although not as odd as Cole Anthony. Um, he carries a lot of responsibility for Kentucky. Um, you know, there's been a long line of sort of like stuck size-wise guys who are stuck between a one and a two who can shoot, but who have their roles kind of limited at Kentucky. You know, you pick your you got your Jamal Murray's, your Devin Booker's, 
your Malik Monks. I know I'm missing like a few other Shay. guys. Shy, Shay. Is it Shay? Have it's I been Shay. fucking that up this whole time? Is it? I'm pretty. It can't be Shy. Is that's how it's spelled? S H A I is fucking shy to you. I know one person like that, a Jewish dude, and he says his name is Shy. <laughs> uh, I I'm, I don't know, man. I I've always. Do you know? Spencer, do you know? Is it Shay? Is it Shy? I've always referred to him as SGA <laughs> to like get away from the whole mispronunciation thing. The only way, to, the, obvi- obviously, the only way to settle this is to wait for Clyde to be like his name is fucking Shaggy or some shit. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, Darren. Go ahead though. And anyway, uh, so the point is, he can. Um, he has a beautiful stroke. It's kind of low release, like Trey. But he's not obviously elite, 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 great, great like Trey. Um, but I, I just say that to say that he has like a quick trigger. Um, but sometimes his whole release is like geared toward it being quick, so it can look like he's not always kind of aligned where he needs to go. He has a good free throw percentage, but that three point percentage is pretty shitty this year. But I'm still way in on his shot, despite him shooting like. I think last I checked, he was shooting like 30% or something not good like that. Um, 24%. 24. That's the last game recorded on the site that I'm using is just the Ohio State game. So I think it's after because didn't he go like, didn't he hit like seven threes last game? I'm I'm on on his sports reference page, but he's at 42.6 overall and 29.6 from three. Yeah. Yeah, so the last game brought it up. So. So uh, he he's good, but I don't view him without certain development as a guy who you can just plug and play to kind of run your offense, and that's not always necessarily a bad thing if you you know if you can lock up, if you have size, if you're a good passer. But he's kind of a an okay but not great passer. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that's what I mean by he he kind of is like kind of like Kobe White before him. He's kind of a little bit stuck, but if he has a little bit of progress in some key areas, then he can he can probably be a, a solid a solid pro. I mean, he's gonna be a solid pro if he can shoot. He's six three. It's like a six six wingspan. Um, he's not like terrible at stuff, but he's not like amazing at stuff either. So he's just kind of sitting there for a team picking from like five to you know. 10, and where he lands will depend on the team and will depend on if he lights it up in workouts and shit like that, interviews. Yeah, I watched him uh, against Michigan State to start the year, and that was another one where he was, like, clearly the best player on the floor, completely stunned Cassius Winston, who was a bum. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was it was just an impressive performance. So it was weird when I, like... Looked out, checked out his numbers like a month later, and I was like, "Dude, this is the same guy. What's going on here?" Um, but from people I have at least discussed with, or just seen on Twitter and stuff, it seems like people buy that the shot will come around, and the percentage isn't necessarily reflective of like his, you know, actual shooting ability. And you know, hopefully this rises, and that ends up being true. Um, I did like when I did when I watched him, he did strike me more as like a Kobe White type of kind of, yes, maybe he can be your primary, but it's totally has to be playing with other guys that can help the playmaking uh, burn in and maybe like two guys actually that can do that. And, uh, you know, just more of a, a combo guy, more of a guy that like needs to score to set up his passing. 
Um, and, you know, that's just how I viewed him. But, um, Spencer, uh, do you uh, want to talk a little bit about my my son, uh, Theo Maladon from France? Uh, uh, Frank Nilekina's countryman. I feel like you shouldn't bring that up because that's going to trigger a lot of people. It's only going to trigger, like, 90s R&B Twitter and stuff, so it's fine. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, uh, going back to, to SGA, uh, he's kind of like that type of point guard. He's not, like, super quick. Um, he plays with great pace. Like, his footwork, his, his ability to get guys in his hips and just, you know, the overall pace that he plays. Like, I posted the video. I've retweeted it before, but that's probably my favorite skill of his. Um he really knows, I'm sounding repetitive, but he really knows how to change pace to keep guys on their heels. Um, his defense has been kind of hit or miss this year. Uh, he was, sure, was he, I think he was straight up benched for like one half or something. Yeah, yeah, he got benched for a half. I remember seeing that. And I think like his initial outing after that wasn't good, but then he bounced back in like the second game after that event. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Theo's good though. He's a good passer. He's a good passer of the pick and roll. He's not killing. Tier. He's not like a Nico or Lamella or anything like that. He's probably maybe like a six and a half or a seven, I guess, out of ten. Probably a seven. So do you um, see him more as like a mid to late lotto type? Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, yeah, that's – yeah. I mean, yeah, when I when I watched him, that's – like, I agree with you What strikes. He has like a very mature game um, yeah. when I watched him play, and that – like, I'm always like a sucker for those, those type of players. Um and yeah, like I mean, the the thing that really stood out to me, and this is basically like what I thought as soon as I watched him play, is I was like, wow, like his transition to the NBA is going to be so much smoother than Frank's, because like Frank is the biggest weirdo with how selfless he is and how he plays, and like how by the book he operates. Um, whereas like I think Maladon has a little bit more of that, like not I don't want to say flair, flair is the wrong word. But he's, I think he's more comfortable kind of forcing the issue at times. Um, and, like, I, I know that he got hit. Somebody was saying that he, it was one of these uh, draft guys. Maybe it was Wasserman. I don't know. I don't want to, like, try and put somebody on blast. Somebody was saying that he's he's passive. Um, but, like, I don't, with the European stuff is always weird, right? Because, you know, like, sometimes if you're not <laughs> doing exactly what the coach wants – They'll pull you and then like bench you, and it's it's just always very odd. But yeah, I mean, when I've watched Maladon, I've always it's always struck me that I like his transition to the NBA isn't going to be similar to Frank's because I think that they're different players in terms of like you know it, the SGA comparison, right? SGA, he's he's one of these guys that's like his scoring sets up passing more than like he's out there trying to create for others as an initial instinct. They're not, like, selfish players, but they're definitely players that, you know, their their mindset is more geared towards scoring. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that specifically or... Um, yeah, I mean, I I would not say he's passive at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's not going to shoot 20 times in the game, but he's not... You're, you're not really going to see him turn away good looks. Like, you know, he might pass up a pretty good look to get an even better look, but I don't really see him passing up wide-open looks he should be taking. Um, to your point on, you know, the European game being weird, where if you don't follow everything to the book, that's true, which is also why, like, LaMelo went over to uh, to the <laughs> Australian League. Imagine LaMelo at, like, Real Madrid. 
I mean, he wouldn't see the floor. <laughs> um, I mean, you saw what happened to Brandon Jennings back in the day, right? Like he was at what, like Panathinaikos or something. He went to a Greek team. Yeah, it was Italy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Italy. It was Italy. Okay. It was Italy. But it, yeah, he played like ten minutes a game. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Malinov's he's like a safe player. Like, I guess that'd probably be the best way to say it. Like, he, he'll be a solid bench point guard. He's just not someone. As much as I like him, like I'd rather use a mid lotto pick on someone with maybe higher upside, and then take someone in the second round who has a similar, um, you know, profile of high, like you know, outcomes. I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think Maladon would be good for a team, uh, a team that has a primary ball handler that mm-hmm. is like kind of in that mid lotto area. You know, uh, somebody that like. So, you know, Theo can just, like, come off the bench or something. Um, weirdly, Orlando might be a good spot for him since they have, like, Fultz, doing Fultz stuff or whatever with starters. Uh, I want to see Orlando actually get Killian. I think that would be fun. I want the Knicks to get Killian if he's as good as you're saying. What the hell, man? No, uh, I do, too. Like, I mean, this is, this is under the assumption that the Knicks get the first overall pick because right. it's a Knicks podcast. So. Uh, well, then... <laughs> <laughs> Things don't happen to the Knicks and the Jaffs, so yeah. we can rule that bad boy out. They got you uh, in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one guy I do like, I don't know him, I do like Trey Jones. Um, I think he's like just a solid, solid player. Um, and I agree with you on Maladon. Like, I just see him as safe. I don't, I, I can't see him like, like I could see, you know, um, like I could see Mannion flaming out or Lamelo flaming out, right? Like I can't see Maladon just flaming out of the NBA or something like that. I think he's going to have a career. I think he'll be a solid, solid rotation player off the bench at worst. Um, but there are other positions uh, other than lead guard in this draft, um, even in the lottery. And you mentioned Anthony Edwards earlier, uh, Spencer. I think you said you had him in Tier 1 by himself, but maybe you'd put uh, Killian in there. So, you know, what do you like about Edwards so much? What what pops when you watch him? Why is he uh, just in his own kind of standing, in your opinion, uh, in this class? I mean, he's kind of by himself because, he, I mean, the draft just isn't that good. Like, mm-hmm. he's not a normal Tier 1. He's not Zion. He's not Luca. He's not Trey, who wasn't Tier 1 either. At least on my board, he wasn't. Um, his tier two. Um, like last year, I would pretty sure I would take like three guys in my tier two above him. Um, but do you buy him because he should be a senior in high school right now? Um, although I think he's the same age as Lamelo and Killian, so it's not like he's you know uh, Kyra Lewis last year playing for Alabama who was like sixteen or seventeen. Um, and then you you like the shot. The shots definitely says he can buy long term. I think. Um, he can get hot, and if anyone wants to see him get hot, watch the Michigan State game because he had 34 points in the second half, I think, and that was unbelievable. And then he's 6'5", 225, so you buy the size, but then you watch the games and you see he settles for too many jumpers. Um, but I mean, there's a lot to like. He's he's strong. He's got a good shot. He's a, There's some passing potential there. Um, he's just not, you know as someone you can actually build around. He's just going to be a good, at least I think he's going to be a good franchise, like cornerstone, someone you can build with. Have this team. Yeah, you can build with him. Prez, you don't need a fucking invitation. So, <laughs> I'm just thinking, so it, it is, he is, I know I've been saying this about a lot of guys, but he's a weird player because, and, and like Spencer said, all these guys would be bumped back 
three or four, maybe more spots in a in a normal year, quote unquote. Forget a, a year like you know we've had recently with Luca and Zion and all those dudes. And so for comparison, this guy is built like a fucking fullback, and he gets to the rim at the same rate Nico Mannion does, who's he had legit might have 50 pounds on. Yeah, yeah, I and, saw that. I think, uh, what was it, Jackson Frank posted something about that. Uh, so that's actually, that's not true. <laughs> like, okay, uh, all right. Yeah, he gets, he gets more than Nico, but I guess if you adjust for size, it's like the same. But he does attack the rim more than Nico does. Do you see that I as an say, issue? I should say, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I'm, like, I definitely take what Spencer says. Over what I, I was basing my shit wholly off free throw rate, which is an, yeah, okay. a bit of an art more than, you know, watching all the games. And I haven't watched that many Anthony Edwards games because I kind of, he is what he is at this point. You and plus also, we're not going to get the number one pick, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've seen some of them ugly box scores, and I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to, I don't want to ruin this anymore than it already is for me, so. Um, do you see any of that stuff, like, as – I mean, the jumper is, is pretty sweet when it's on. Do you think he just is over – like, you know, that happens, right, to some shooters a lot of times where it's like they just get over-reliant on it? Um, I mean, some of the best <laughs> – like, Steph Curry, the greatest shooter ever, this happens to him all the time. Or, you know, all the time, I was thinking he's Steph, so he usually hits, like, fucking 4 of 10 on a bad night. But, um, yeah, like, do you just think that there are times where he's – he just keeps thinking, like, the next one's going to go in, the next one's going to go in, and doesn't utilize his size like he should? Or is it something more fatally flawed, I guess you could say, uh, than that? I think it's that. I think it's also him playing in college. I think the spacing actually should really help him, and also playing with a better team should really help him. Um, And then I think – so I guess this is where the high school thing comes into play because – you know, even though he's still 18 and a half years old, so if he had waited the year, he would have been an older freshman. His entire career, he was still playing against guys who were smaller than him. So it's going to take him time to adjust to guys who are bigger than him. So he might not feel comfortable driving on someone who's six, you know, six eight two fifty in the paint versus lat, like you know, when last year he was driving and driving against guys who were six seven, you know, one ninety or two ten. Um, I think the next coach he has has to really drill into his mind that he has to attack the paint more and he can't be over reliant on his jumper as you were saying but like some of the shots he takes is they're bizarre because there's like an open lane for him to go and he'll you know take a step back jumper uh that sounds sounds like sounds like a nick man sounds like this guy's born to be a nick it sounds sounds like a nick under coach fisdale let's clarify all right (laughs) all right sounds like tim hardaway jr because Oh, yeah. Well, he's. Well, you guys keep talking. I'm going to let him out here real quick. So while Swin handles that, I'm just going to plug one thing that um, Spencer actually discussed on the uh, uh, the podcast with Macri. Uh, DX, ESPN, and whatever, whatever their name is now, Draft Express on ESPN, I don't know. They're doing interviews with a few of the prospects, and it's pretty cool because with how close a lot of these guys are all being in the same tier. Really, it's a lot of shit that we don't know about that is going to be the tiebreaker for teams, like whether that's workouts or interviews or interviews of people they know and shit like that. And these interviews with the players where the the guy from ESPN, Mike Smith, 
Mike Smith is going over film with them, including flaws. Um, it does give you a, a cool window into a little bit of how coachable they are or how quickly they may pick up on things or how shy they are. So, like, in their personalities. And it fucking jumps off the screen when you watch the Edwards one that yeah. this guy is, like, ready and willing to take any constructive feedback, including flaws. And he's like, he was pointing out like where he was supposed to be and talking about how the coach made them practice this and he has to be here because this is what their strategy is. And you contrast that with like LaMelo and it's not like he had a bad interview, but LaMelo is more just like a savant kind of just, how did you do that? How did you see that? Yeah. Right. Like a lot of the answers were actually kind of boring because it was Mike Schmidt trying to like desperately get him to elaborate and he was like, no, yeah, I should have made that rotation. Oh, yeah, no, you know, I just had to look for my teammates. That's how I saw this no-look around the back, whatever, whatever, in traffic. <laughs> but but Edwards is like, like, as soon as I saw that shit, like, even with all his flaws and, you know, and bad shots and all that, like, that shit made me big team Edwards immediately. Like, the guy is relentlessly positive, you know, despite, like, keeping that whole team on his back, despite being probably the youngest dude on that team, like, that's what you need. Yep. All right. Uh, that sounds good. Um, all right. So, do, do you uh, are there any other wings in particular that you like in this draft? Like, um, I mean, I know that people are high on uh, Denny. How do you pronounce the last name? Is it Abdija? Abdija, I think. I mean, Abdiya? that's how I've always pronounced it. Um, I I think you know Spencer should probably talk about him. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> he's another member of the tribe. I think. Um, yeah, he's, uh, it's funny, like, I remember last year and the year before, the same way people were hyping up Isaac Banga and Sekou Dumbuya as the next Giannis, people are hyping up Denny as the next Luka, so the Banga and Sekou stuff was embarrassingly bad, and people who knew me knew that I called that out for being embarrassingly bad, but the Denny stuff is also embarrassingly bad, because he's not Luka, like, I love Denny, but he is, like, He's a 4-3, a 3-4, whatever. He does not have that passing ability that Luka has. He doesn't have the shooting Luka has. Um, he's a much better defender. Um, he's probably, I, mean, I guess he's maybe, yeah, he's a three and a half. He is. He's a wing. He's just a pure wing. Um, but he's a very smart off-ball defender. He's, he's a legitimately good rim protector, even though he's not someone who's going to go from, you know, a two-step to like a 40-inch vert. Um he uses the length that he has. Um, he rotates early. I uh, see things like he, he legitimately sees things before they're happening. He knows when to help. It's pretty good. He's a great cutter on offense. Uh, loves picking the ball up on offense. Uh, what else can I say? Oh, and then the shot. The shot. It should be going in. I can't explain this. There are no glaring weaknesses in the shot. And like I've been told that um, like after bad shooting games, he'll literally spend like two or three hours in the gym pissed off at himself and he'll just shoot. So I think that's a good sign. Um, everyone I've spoken with says he's like an unbelievable hard worker, and I've spoken with guys who have coached in Israel, so like they know that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess that's Denny. Denny's good. He's just not he, – he's like another ancillary piece. Crap, did I lose you guys? Why is it so quiet? You – you, sorry, do you, do you think that um, – you, you – you called him an ancillary piece. Um, yeah. But do you think he can be an ancillary piece with, like, the impact of, let's say, like, this year's favorite, um, Brandon Clark? You know? Like, is that 
a potential ancillary piece that is worth taking for the Knicks, even though you're still kind of searching for maybe that one singular player to build around? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, just comparing them one-to-one, I, Clark is – I like Clark more. Like, I had Clark absurdly high on my board last year. Um, you, you had him second? Yeah, I mean, he was he – was, Tier two, so as I always say, you know, tier two is just guys you can pick depending on whatever your team has. But Clark was my second favorite player in the draft. Um, fucking loved him. But yeah, I mean, Clark, I think is going to be a really good ancillary piece. Like you know, probably a fourth option. I think Denny. I mean, Denny definitely is a better playmaker than Clark is. He doesn't have the defensive versatility. Maybe, although I mean, Clark doesn't. I don't know. You know, he stumped me. That was a good question. Yeah, I know. I I haven't, but like every description of him is kind of what you touched upon. Like not not somebody who's going to come in and save a franchise. So I do kind of worry if he gets drafted by one of these, like looking a shining light, you know, or a beacon of hope that he'll get thrust into a position not really suited for, at least not right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, I can totally see like what you're saying and. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I, I highly doubt the Knicks would draft him. Uh, at least not with this front office. But um, you know, you never know what David Black's telling them. You never know what he's whispering in their ears now. Um, okay, I do want to talk about two guys who I fucking love, um, and I'm not sure if they hit any of <laughs> any of the uh, the <laughs> the aspects that we touched upon to start, but. Uh, Isaac Koro and uh, Onyeka Okongwu, uh, two guys. I am, yeah, I'm, I'm very much on board with drafting either one, even with their deficiencies. Um, is I don't know if Prez is still alive. Prez, if you're with us, uh, say a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. I was just okay. muting because my dog. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you want to touch on? I don't know which one of these two you're familiar with. Probably a little more with Okoro, although to be honest, I, I haven't watched too much compared to the. Guards, I've watched way less just because I'm not. Unlike Spencer, I'm I, I I'm not. I don't have a professional vested interest in this. I just want to know who the Knicks are going to pick and under them if I disagree, and then praise them if I agree. So, uh, but I did watch a coral just because I know you like him, and it's like he's definitely a, a Schwinn type of player. The guy's questionable jumper, you know. Can is a defense defensive player, but he can make plays with the ball. He can pass on the move somehow. Like a lot of the times, like I, I'm like, is this guy gonna crash into somebody? And then he'll find somebody <laughs> in the corner for the drop off. And so, what is he like? Six, seven, six, eight? Yeah, six, yeah, six, yeah. He's a big dude. He's so thick too. He's like yeah. six, eight, two, twenty-five. Yeah, if I was picking in the the mid lottery, like you know, five to. 12, I'd, I'd have, you, you got to give them a look, especially we're getting at the point that, like, a lot of these teams already have their theoretical lead ball handlers now, um, even the shitty ones, uh, and with with a few exceptions, you know, guys are entrenched in those positions, and like we said, these 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 point guards, they're, a lot of them are fine, but they're not, like, tailor your, your draft strategy or your franchise around them, so uh, you, you might end up seeing guys like Okoro and Okongu be reached for, that, that that would be my guess by a lot of these teams. Like, what the fuck are the Cavs going to do? Pick another point guard? Probably. Like, it, yes. I, you know what? <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> but, 
these teams, like, they have to consider these guys who can fit other roles other than ball handlers, especially like these two, when they can have legit plus impacts. I I would feel very safe picking those teams, I mean those players, if I had somebody who I thought was my point guard going forward, even if they weren't, like, the fucking most amazing, even if they was, like, fucking Darius Garland, like, you know? These guys are safe, solid wings, not without flaws, especially, you know, you you hope Okoro's shot come around, but would you bet on it? Maybe. I don't know. I would bet on it. Um, That dude, like, just blows up defensive possessions. It's fucking Mm -hmm. the best he does. And it's, yeah, I mean, like, I think, um, Spencer, I think maybe you were saying this, how, like, you're like, he's Bible, but much better. (laughs) 